Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from the Little Feminist Book Club. Little Feminist wants to help you diversify your child's bookshelf. Each box is built around one to two books of the month that feature strong female characters and or people of color. Go to littlefeminist.com and use the coupon code WINNER for $5 off when you order or click on the link at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast to get started today. Support also comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. Hi, Matthew. How are you doing? I've missed you. <laughs> it's been way too long. Has it? I guess I, it has. I mean, yep. I feel like I want to talk to you every six months. So yes, it's been longer than six months. Therefore, it's been too long. this is the children's book podcast episode number 481 i'm your host matthew winner this is the final episode of the year thank you to you new listeners and those who have been with the show for some time i asked friends of the show on facebook what dream guests they'd like to see in 2019 and have already received over a hundred suggestions many of whom are actually already booked sounds like we're on the same wavelength if you have a guest you'd like to recommend send me a tweet or message me over fb I'm always excited to get to meet new faces, especially if they're people that you admire as well. Today, we're continuing in a series that draws near a number of the blogs, podcasts, and online outlets that have inspired a number of the guests on this show this past year. With help from some very special guests, this series of episodes have helped call attention to Don't Miss Titles of 2018 from African American, Native, and most recently, LGBTQ voices. Today, we turn to Kidlit Podcasts. It may not come as a surprise that I listen to podcasts regularly, though I don't often listen to podcasts centering on children's literature, probably because I'm too easily prone to comparing myself to others in quite self-destructive ways. However, there are a small handful of Kidlit Podcasts I listen to regularly and that continue to contribute to my professional growth and, quite frankly, I think help make me a better human being. Lifelines, Books That Bridge the Divide, is one of those podcasts. Hosts Sadia Faruqi and Anne Braden share book recommendations from marginalized voices and experiences. They offer up insightful interviews, and I honestly walk away feeling like I've got another set of tools to make my library program even stronger and more inclusive. 
The Beginning of Your Life Book Club with Emily Akins is a new podcast on the block, but the exploration of literacy and building lifelong reading habits through the voice of an inquisitive host bent on lifelong learning is just something I am absolutely drawn to. Books Between with Karina Allen has been a mainstay on my podcast feed for years. What Karina brings as a book advocate, as well as an educator, makes this a must-have resource for everyone working with middle-grade readers, from teaching them to writing for them. And finally, there's the Kidlit Women podcast, the show that's always at the top of my playlist, the one I cannot imagine this world without, the one that has started conversations that resonate, challenge, affirm, and inspire. My guest today is none other than award-winning author and podcast host, Grace Lynn. Grace shares the origin of Kidlit Women and the Kidlit Women podcast, and then I invite her to share some of her favorite episodes. I include a link to the Kidlit Women podcast episode archive in the show notes for this episode, but for now, consider this an invitation to jump in, to be inspired, and to be a part of the conversation. Please welcome my guest, Grace Lynn host of the Kidlit Women podcast. All right. Hi, I'm Grace Lynn. I'm a cisgendered Asian American woman. I go by she and her. Um, I'm an author and illustrator of many books for children, um, from picture books to middle grade. Uh, I, uh, my, my most well-known middle grade novel is uh, Where the Mountain Meets the Moon, and my most recent picture book is A Big Mooncake for a Little Star, and I'm also the uh, most frequent host and producer of the Kid Lit Women podcast. Uh, yay for all of those things. <laughs> Friend of the show, Grace Lynn. I'm so glad you're back. And we talked so much about your writing, but I feel grateful, privileged, blessed to be able to talk to you tonight about Kidlit Women and about the Kidlit Women podcast because it's been so formative in my work as a children's librarian, as a children's literature podcaster, just everything. There's so much that 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 knowledge you bring to the table and and all of you in this community are sharing so much that that's influenced me and I know countless others. So thanks for that. Well, thank you. I'm so glad you listen. I think it's funny that you say the knowledge I bring. I actually don't feel like I bring that much knowledge. I feel like I'm. <laughs> this is such a like learning podcast. <laughs> but you're learning. Let's say it this way. Then you're learning in front of us. Yes. There's an awful lot of <laughs> knowledge good. because you're you're not shy about learning in front of us. Often when I hear you do interviews with guests, and I know that um, Jacqueline Davies, right, mm-hmm. is the other person I probably hear. Most often, Most often, other than mm-hmm. Alvina Ling, uh, but but I hear you often in your interviews say, uh, "I'm I'm trying to get this wording right, or I'm still working out this thought." Um, we see you thinking through things as you go, and that sort of uh, transparency or vulnerability, I feel, uh, at least for me as a listener, draws me in more closely to you, and uh, really sort of humanizes the conversation. Oh, I'm so glad you say that. I mean, I think what's so interesting about the Kid Lit Women podcast is that we do try to have different hosts. And when I listen to it, it's so interesting because, you know, we all have such different ways of approaching the topic. Like I, I think I have a lot of hesitations. I stutter a lot because I'm really working things out. Whereas um, somebody like Jacqueline Davies, she's so um, 
prepared and she's so poised and she's <laughs> it's almost like so professional <laughs> but in, in a wonderful wonderful way yeah I, <laughs> I just think it's interesting how different we all are <laughs> i listen to jacqueline and i'm like ooh, i need to learn how to interview like her yeah <laughs> she's just got i mean she's just she yeah she's very poised she's very it's good. But you know what? To be quite honest, every time I hear you interview, I'm like, oh, Grace and I are cut from the same cloth. I can hear it <laughs> in the way we talk to people. Um, and that's that's wonderful. I think that all of those different qualities that are represented through not only the um, essayists that are reading their works, but also in those interviews, I really feel like uh, I feel like it's cool. I It's just surreal to me that I get to talk to you about your podcast because I... <laughs> I mean, I don't know that you can hear my smile, but I'm just such a fan. Okay, but but let me back up, though. I know that you give this great introduction on each of your episodes about the origin of Kill It Women and of the podcast itself. But for those of listeners of the Children's Book Podcast that might not be familiar, would you mind speaking about what Kill It Women is uh, to, to the folks new to it? Sure. Um, so last March... Um... Actually, before last March, sometime early early in the year last year, uh, I was attending um, a conference, and this conference had a lot of white, I guess what you call white space time, where uh, groups. It was a conference for published authors and illustrators, and the white space time where you could go and just kind of meet and talk about things that were on your mind. Uh, one of the things that came up um, that we wanted to t- that people wanted to talk about was what we called, I think it was the male adoration problem, which was the idea that it, that there was a double standard in the children's literature community, that men, male authors seem to be treated different than female authors. And so we had this big kind of like white space meeting and, you know, everybody was talking and suddenly in the middle of the meeting, I kind of said, wait, I've heard all of this before, you know, and the truth is I had heard this all before. We'd, I'd heard this for years and years and years, and we'd all said the same things over and over and over again. And I kind of felt like, you know, it's about time that we stop just complaining behind closed doors and instead, you know, really try to do something. If this bothers us so much that we've been complaining about it for, you know, I've been in the industry almost, almost 20 years now. Um, and they've always talked about the same things. I mean, it's about time that we change things. Uh, if we can't change things, at least we have to say, say what we feel, you know, and say, if we don't see something, if we feel like that's not right, we have to acknowledge that and not just pretend and just like smile and look away because that's, not obviously that's not changing anything so and so because of that um the the group agreed and we decided that we would take the month of march which was women's history month and we would have people write at least one we'd get as many people as possible hopefully we were hoping for like one essay a day uh where we talk about the issues that we face um at that point it was we were just thinking about women and its intersectionalities at that point because it was Women's History Month and that was what the topic was about. Um, and, uh, and we, and it kind of took fire every a lot. We, we were hoping for like 30 essays and I think we had more than a hundred people who were <laughs> writing and, and sharing and talking. And it was, it was a really, it was a really, um, great, 
thing to see everybody kind of coming together and really trying to be brave. You know, like that's what's so hard about these things. We're all scared that people are just going to see us as a bunch of complainers. And I'm sure lots of people did see us as just a a bunch of complainers. But, you know, there's a lot to be said to at least telling you letting yourself say it you know i wonder too if um one that that being felt like a bunch of complainers i feel like that is something that i have heard people speak of before and it just it's one of those things where it feels like well how are we supposed to fix it if we don't talk about it but then if you criticize people that talk about it aren't you perpetuating this just like awful cycle but you had, as you said, over 100 people write in essays. Did you end up using, well, I guess I have a double question here. Um, one, how did you organize the essays to know what to post when, prioritize perhaps the essays? And two, did you end up posting all of the essays in that month of February or maybe a little bit beyond? So uh, it was in the month of March that oh, we, March, man, um, and uh, people were, what we did was, People just um, pu- published their posts anywhere they wanted, on their Facebook page, on their blogs. They did a tw- uh, I don't think anybody really did a Twitter thread, uh, but we said they could do a Twitter thread. Um, and then they would just share their link with uh, me or Karen Blumenthal, who was also my co-founder of the project. And we would share that link on the Kid Lit Women Facebook page. Uh, we had a calendar set up where people could sign up so they could see you know, who, who else was planning to post on certain days so, um, so subject matters wouldn't um, co- like fight against each other on the same day. Yeah. I mean, they, obviously they could have the same subject matter, but we didn't want like two, three top three about, three, three essays about boy books versus girl books all on the same day. So, so that was, um, so we had a calendar set up for that. Okay. That, uh, yes, yeah, spreading out that allows then I would imagine all posts to be seen. If I had three posts about boys versus girl books, I might be apt to sort of choose. But if they're <clears throat> spread out over the month and rather the, the three on that day are completely different topics, it, it would be a greater draw to read all at the same time. I didn't realize though that everyone was sort of dual posting them, that they went out on their own in their own spaces with uh, on social media where their own group is, but then um, crossed all of the mm-hmm. group of people that were um, on this Killet Women group, which means that there was an awful lot of a uh, of of almost web building <laughs> going, mm-hmm. which is great too to to be able to connect. I mean that in the library where we talk about that all the time too. The the importance of being able to find those other people that have the same concerns that you do, same challenges, uh, same interests, or same same things motivating them. Cool to know that that was going behind the scenes. Yeah, it was. I think that's probably why it became so successful because yeah. because the, people were putting it on their own social media channels as well as our Kidlit Women group. So it just the Kidlit Women group just got bigger and bigger and bigger. So it was a really it was a really nice thing. It was very heartening to see how how it grew. Does the Kidlit Women group still exist in that form, or did it? sort of morph into the podcast i assume because they're serving sort of two different purposes that the they're both the 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 the, the group is probably still around right it's not we'll, oh, that's okay. that was um that was on purpose because we started the kidlit women group basically just to plan the month right so okay. we thought it was just going to be like this calendar and people would just say this is what we're going to talk about so uh 
Karen Blumenthal and I were not prepared for it to be a like a active talking about issues group, you know, like, and, uh, and it started to become that. And actually it did become that. And we did the best we could, um, to, to monitor it. And, and I, I'm so glad we did cause it brought up so many things that, you know, we all have blind spots. Um, I, I, my blind, like we called it kid lit women. Um, you know, and it, we had a big blind spot when it comes to, you know, LGBTQ and gender fluid pe- people, you know? So, um, I think, that that came up in the group um and other things like that you know so it was really i'm really glad we had that group but it became something that neither one of us could manage <laughs> because uh because there's just so many voices which was great but also it was so many voices that clashed to do okay. some at times <laughs> yeah very is this why it's, there's an asterisk at the end of the? Yes, um, okay, there is. got it. Because, um, because you know, like I said, it and like that was very contentious too. You know, uh, a great many people felt we should change the name because having it women be was exclusive. You know, and then other people felt like, well, why can't something just uh, be for women? You know, like it's kind of like Black Lives Matter in yeah. in a different way. So. Um, and, you know, we came up with the solution with the asterisks, which, you know, both sides aren't really happy with, but that was our compromise. You know? <laughs> so, you know, there's a, a lot of things like that where you realize that you just have to do the best you can. <laughs> and it's it, with all these kind of intersectionalities in such it's kind of um, it's kind of why I like the podcast. I love the podcast format because social media, you can't really get to the nuances no matter how long you write your facebook comment right you still don't get all the nuances of what you're trying to say or you can't like stop in mid-sentence when you realize um how you're how you're misstepping or or they can interject whereas when you're having a conversation all of a sudden and somebody says oh but you know when you say that and you're like oh you're so right you know it's it's just a, a a format that i don't think Uh, social media in general is a format that does not lend itself to the complicated conversations that we want to have at Kidly Women. So was the podcast always on your mind or maybe just was podcasting in general always on your mind? And then when Kidly Women became what it was, it felt like the natural uh, focus for the podcast? Yeah, I would say that. I think podcasting was always on my mind. I talked about it. I remember you talking about it before. I've been cool. always been really interested in it. I mean, um, I remember when Katie Davis came out with her podcast, and I was so interested in it. I loved having that. And and then you came out, and then the Colby Sharp. And I remember I listened to all, and I was like, this is such a great format. It's perfect for me, you know, as somebody who who like is illustrating and wants to listen to something long, you know, and be engaged. Uh, and uh, you know, it's kind of like having friends, but, <laughs> but not having to talk to them. <laughs> 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 that is thank you you've just come up with the new tagline of the podcast it's like having friends only you don't have to talk to them <laughs> oh that's the greatest <laughs> um no but i the the we've talked about this you and i before though the medium does offer itself that's unique to anything else that's unique to a blog post or a uh you know the, the one of the things that i think is the strongest draw of the podcast and maybe even something that you're noticing since you've been going since January um, is that podcast content exists 
archivally and people listen archivally when they discover your podcast now as of recording this your um essay with laurel snyder about panels uh conference panels um just posted and today as (laughs) literally the day we're recording it the uh interview with laurel posted but someone who finds the podcast today has the archive to go back to and that's not often what people do on blogs or on any other kind of format. So this really does preserve conversations and allow people to revisit things, I feel, in a really natural way. And then it's a voice that's there Mm -hmm. that they return to. It's a tone. It's a, like, kind of like what you're saying, it's a person talking to you in in such Mm -hmm. a way or inviting you to lean in and listen yeah. And I, I think that's what, you know, when you say lean in, you know, I know that has some bad connotations with the Sheryl Sandberg, but I do like that phrase because, you know, so much of what we do on social media is we don't know how to have these civil conversations about really important things. Um, you know, we talk about, I had this conversation with Linda Sue Park and I said, you know, the biggest thing is I think what happens is these topics come up and it's uncomfortable and people disengage and it's so easy to disengage on social media. You, you just log off. Right. But having a a face, you know, like a person to person conversation, I mean, where you're both kind of in a vulnerable state, that's the way you change minds. That's the way both minds open. And that's where the podcasting, um, to, if people, if what I wanted to do, or what I've been trying to do more recently is to record those kind of conversations. So, so people could listen to two people kind of leading in to these difficult, difficult conversations. And hopefully it kind of models, models that so they know how they, they can do it themselves and hopefully change some minds in their own. You know, I really love that you're saying that. And I got to just share briefly that there's this work in education that we're doing, at least in, in my school we're doing it, but it is a national thing called restorative justice. Restorative justice in education, RJE. Um, and I'll put a link for people to look it up. But it is about respecting where people come from, their beliefs, values, and seeing that in order to work through conflicts in different ways. I'm clearly not doing it any justice, but just what you said about modeling conversations and how to speak about topics or how to wrestle with topics is invaluable. I want to bring us to really the impetus of of this whole conversation, which was that I've been bringing friends in whose works, as I said at the top of the recording with you, I use as as tools for me to learn by, to inform um, who I book on the podcast, to to grow and, and hopefully as Maya Angelou shares, when you know better, you do better. I'm trying to know and know more and know better in an effort to try to do better. So Grace, I'd love to talk to you to shift our focus on of the podcast episodes you've, you've shared so far, or these essays, whichever we can sort of go back and reference, whatever we can link to, have there been any conversations that, that stuck with you in particular or that you feel like if someone was just coming into the podcast today for the first time, conversations that you feel like are good places for uh, individuals to start for one reason or another? So if if they're just coming into it, 
Um, I think I think the best ones to start with would be um, I think there's like episode two and three where I talk with Shannon Hale and we talk about basically the gendering like gendered reading where she she she's talked about this many times about how she's invited to a school to do a school visit and she shows up and she looks at the audience and she realizes all girls in the audience and she asks where the boys are and they the administrators say oh we didn't think the boys would be interested so we we allowed them not to come you know with and what does that mean to the girls what does that mean to the boys it means the boys don't have to value anything that the girls find interesting and to the girls you know it means that boys don't have to value what they like um, and you know, all different, and that's just like the tip of the iceberg of that yeah, conversation. It goes, it goes deep. <laughs> and as you're calling out episodes two and three, again, for those who haven't listened to the podcast, um, in th- your format is that it, it, over the week on the first episode of the week, the guest or someone from the group reads that individual's essay. And then the second episode of the week there's an interview with that individual. So we do have both Mm -hmm. the essay and then what I always love that conversation going deeper into the essay. (laughs) So good. Yes. (laughs) Because there's always so much more to, to ask about, right. Or to think about after the essay, the essay is just like the starting point. So, and you know, there's so much more after the conversation too, but at least we, we get a little bit deeper. You start it. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Yep. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just nodding, <laughs> nodding along. Big fan. Um, uh, yeah, for people starting. So Shannon Hale, great one to start with. Uh, yes. Do you have others? Or I yeah. can hear you also wanting to, I feel <laughs> that there's also, oh, but if you're focusing on this thing, you should listen to yeah. this and that, which yeah, I love. I have, I'm, I'm getting like the book talking, so go for it. <laughs> there's so many. You know, do like, it. Um, the one that uh, I feel like speaks to what, the Kid Lit Women project started to, you know, like what what brought, what started the whole thing was probably episode 21 and episode 20. Um, We featured an essay by Kate Messner. I think it was called The Words We Say, but basically where she wrote this essay about uh, witnessing the difference between how librarians treat a male author versus how they treat a female author. And the essay is very, uh, is very, very well, is, is basically very on point. Uh, but what I did that was interesting that I'm particularly proud of is that for the second part of that, that, um, that series, instead of talking to Kate, I actually talked to Betsy Bird, who uh, hopefully everybody knows she's a very well-known librarian. And one of the things that Betsy, um, made her mark on early on in her she was she uh really <laughs> got big during the blogging phase of children's literature social media uh, social media of children's literature those when the blogs were huge and she made her mark by doing something called the hot men of children's literature and uh it was it was a really interesting and very very forthcoming and she was so honest in that conversation and um i think that it was really, really revealing. I mean, it shows, it shows, if anything, it was so gratifying because it showed so many uh, women authors. It's not just in our head. <laughs> you know, it's really there. Yeah. There's a, there really is a problem. It was and Betsy prior. Betsy yeah, it was, but it was Betsy prior to Fuse Number 8 production, prior to the SLJ blog. Yes. And when she says in that interview, I distinctly remember when she says that 
it got weird when publishers started to reach out to her saying, we think we have, we think this person would be a great fit for your hot men of children's literature. I, know. I was cringing going like, ooh, that is, <laughs> ooh. But you're right, Betsy. So, so uh, forthright laying out the cards on the table with that. Yeah. That's, yeah. But, and that was, I really appreciate that because, you know, we can't get anywhere if, if people aren't willing to, like you said, put all the cards on the table. And she really was. She's so good with that. I admire her exactly for that. So your podcast was just like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> come on now. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going, Grace. We have all okay, of the, so... our must listen is going to just be your entire season, your entire yeah. catalog. <laughs> so um, the one that really, the one that really kind of um, hit me um, was, it was right after the Kavanaugh hearings, and I felt like we had to have something that talked about sexual harassment. Um, and uh, I was asking around, and um, an essay was brought to my attention by uh, Corey Ann Haydu, uh, where she experienced a really horrific, horrific thing. She had she had done the Skype visit with a I, I'm I think it was a group of sixth graders, I'm, I apologize if I got the details wrong, but with basically a group of, of students. Um, and in the middle of the Skype, uh, it, the, the middle of her Skype interview or Skype session, something went wrong. So they had, they had to change to Facebook, uh, to FaceTime. And because they changed to FaceTime, her phone number was displayed. And so after her, her uh, online, online school visit, uh, she, you know, logged off, and then she started getting all these lewd and disgusting text messages, and they were from these. They were from boys who had been in the audience. I think sixth grade boys, who basically were sexually harassing her, uh, because they and they thought it was funny, and how they didn't say anything wrong with it, and it just showed shows how this kind of this attitude of uh, this, you know, we call it male toxicity, you know, that it starts young, it starts really young. Mm. And uh, we need to address it as early as elementary school, or middle school. I walked away from that conversation, Grace, that conversation directly changed my, the way that I teach, because another thing that happened in that conversation, um, I, as I recall, is that the teacher had the kids had all of her class write apology letters. And so some of the students, and particularly some of the girls who did nothing um, in that classroom, wrote apology letters for the boys. I apologize that they acted this way. And mm -hmm. just how the way that Corey Ann was wrestling with, that's not, that's not who needs to apologize. And mm -hmm. what is going on in a child's head when they are made to apologize? I've had situations where we've had in class, not that, not what happened to, to Corey Ann, but that um, that a number of students are being uh, disrespectful, rude, whatever, and the students that apologize for it or write apologies for it or whatever are the students that had nothing to do with it. They're just like embarrassed or ashamed mm -hmm. that they were a part of a class that would do something like that. And for me then, being able to be aware of that to help work to address that with those children. This was not you. Please do not personalize this as something that you did or something that I associate with you. Um, that really woke me up. I really am grateful 
to her for sharing that and 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 calling that out yeah i mean i mean we talk so much about um women's issues obviously in on kid lit women and you know it's that idea that girls have to be nice girls apologize for things that are not their responsibility you know and so and it's in the, and so that it, it ties into that too like that starts young too like it's all the way from elementary school you probably before elementary school you know and uh these are so, such big issues that we have to address so um i've got a lot more how many more can i talk about <laughs> <laughs> let's just keep going Support for the Children's Book Podcast also comes from the Highlights Foundation, hosting intimate and inspiring workshops for children's authors and illustrators. Thinking about writing for children? Or have you always wanted to write a children's book but aren't quite sure how it works? Join us March 21st to 24th, 2019 for Everything You Need to Know About Children's Publishing, a Crash Course. And learn everything there is to know about the children's publishing world, including how the publishing process works, how to know when you're ready to submit a manuscript, how to find which publishers to submit to, how contracts work, the editorial and marketing process, and a whole lot more. And you'll hear from a number of people in the industry who can help to understand the process. Faculty includes Harold Underdown, Leah Henderson, Rachel Werner, Allison Green Myers, Lindsay Barrett-George, and me. Yep, I'll be there too. Registration is now open. Visit highlightsfoundation.org. And from Viz Media. Viz is excited to announce that Pokemon Adventures, the most popular and longest-running Pokemon comic, is now available digitally. Visit viz.com Pokemon to read a free preview of the beloved All Ages series. That's viz.com Pokemon. The one that I most... Uh, <laughs> the Whoa. one I'm... Really you have a favorite? Tell me. <laughs> well, I'm proud of... I'm, I'm very proud of... Um, not not for not because of what I did well, mainly because we were able to produce it so fast we uh most oh, recently I did you. <laughs> I did the um the episodes 40 and 41 with Samira Ahmed about um a suicide bomber in the library uh that was a book that um was pre uh, a preview of a book by Jack Antos and Dave McLean McKean, Clint McQueen, I'm sorry if I messed that up, um, that caused quite an outrage um, amongst, I think, amongst a lot of, amongst the community, the children's book community. And um, it was, it felt so important to me. And uh, it was over Thanksgiving and I was talking to Samira and we, we like both woke up super early in the morning. We recorded it. Like we produced, like, it was like, we recorded it Sunday morning and we put it out Monday. (laughs) Like it was like such, it was so, um, it was so intense, but I'm really proud that we were able to do that. I think that having that opportunity, yeah, to be that, (laughs) to be that on top of things, I, you could, I can hear your conviction about the, how fast you turned it around, but also how important it was to hear it. And it, it was powerful to have just, for me, I had just heard whiffs of it on 
Twitter, but then to have this conversation waiting that was, I believe, broken into, it was two parts, right? Yeah, episode 41, mm-hmm. 40 and 41, that two parts of, of a continuous conversation that was powerful um, about uh, about uh, uh, about how we cast other people in our stories and what what it says to readers when they're cast that way your intention or not um what perhaps even what implicit biases are at work while you make your work and and being able to try to question those yeah and you know it's you know it was we we were very critical of um the book uh and i and i stand by those criticisms i really do um but this is another example of how i hope people realize that we are criticizing the book but this is not a judgment on jack antos or dave mckean clean i'm so keep messing up his last name i apologize (laughs) but like i'm sure they're perfectly nice people you know and who 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 probably have the best of intentions you know this is not about saying that they're bad people we're saying that we found this book extremely hurtful you know and that's what these things are about you know it's not about trying to cast either one of them as like evil villains is to ca- is to show that the choices you make as an author the choices you make as a publisher the choices you make to the way you promote a book they ha- they have consequences and some of them are are painful and are hurtful you know as much as we talk about how books are so powerful and they can save lives they can also really hurt lives too and we have to acknowledge that and uh that's something that i felt was really important to get out i found it really oh i'm sorry go ahead no no no, just in that episode that's all (laughs) no i found it really helpful that you both also talked about the publisher talked about the the other hands that were on this the responsibility that other people played the fact that the publisher uh shared it over social media on the the children's imprint twitter account abram's kids shared it but then later said that it is intended for adults like there was some confusion in messaging there and potential backpedaling or whatever that um that was really problematic yeah it was you know it's all (laughs) it's it's these things are hard, you know, and um, I, I you know, look, we all make mistakes. Uh, we all make in today's episode with Laurel. She was talking about how how, you know, if somebody she's just waiting for somebody to take her book from like six years ago and say, hey, you did this. You know, I got I have the same thing. I have books that I am. I'm glad are out of print you know? <laughs> like that. You know, we all do things that you know, we, we didn't know back then, you know, we didn't know better, but now that we know better, that's what we have to, we have to go from there, you know? And so, and that goes with publishers too. And I'm hope, I'm hopeful that, that, you know, Abrams is a really great publisher. They published really great, great books. Um, I just hope that this was something, and there's a lot of great people there too, you know, I just hope that this shows like you know whoops got a little blind spot there or or a big one <laughs> you know like we gotta we gotta check check some things here and yeah. there we gotta we gotta put into place whatever we need to put into place to to work toward it not happening again because none of exactly. us know as you're saying where we're going to slip in the future but we need to we need to do our best 
to to avoid the blind spots where we can. Yeah. Grace, it has been a pleasure talking to you <laughs> about podcasting. Oh, I love it. Um, I'm going to ask you an impossibly difficult question that I did not give you in advance. And I'm so sorry for that, but I know your heart. And so I know that, that this is something that you, I believe this is something you think about all the time. So I feel confident in asking you this, uh, Grace, who would you say the Kid Lit Women podcast is for? What, what listeners do you hope it will, it will find? Ah, okay. So there's two, when you, your first part of your question, and then there's a second part of your question, right? Who do I think the, who do I hope the, will find the podcast? I mean, I hope that it finds everybody who cares about children's literature, obviously, you know, I feel like to, we have a lot, this, our community is a really wonderful community. I love our children's literature community. Uh, but that's not to say that I don't see the problems that we have. You know, we have big problems. <laughs> and, and, you know, if we, we can't fix them unless we all get in and on together. So I hope everybody, it reaches everybody, and we can all make these small steps together because all a lot of small steps make a big one, you know. So, so I'm hoping it reaches everyone. And when I say it's like it's the educators, it's the booksellers, it's the aspiring authors, it's the, the, the established authors, it's the illustrators, you know, who, who are just starting out, it's the graphic novelists, you know, it's, it's everyone. Because, you know, like I said, we're not going to, we, we're not going to do it, we're not going to make it, if we're not, if, not, if, every, if everybody's not on board, you know. But then you ask, who is this for? <laughs> that was the first part of your question. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, and this is a really weird thing, but, you know, this podcast is really for my daughter, right? Because uh, before the 2016 election, you know, I had ideas for podcasts, nothing, you know, and I had ideas and I, I felt strongly about diversity. I felt strongly about um, fem- feminism. I felt strongly about all these things, but you know, I, I, you know, maybe I admit maybe I was I let things go right, and after the election I was like, you know, all this terrible stuff is happening, and this we let it happen on our watch, you know, you know we talk a great game about how our our books children's literature uh, changes lives and it makes makes people great and it makes people loving and it makes people empathetic it makes people all these wonderful traits that we think that we're passing on yet here we are in in what i consider a mess of non-compassion right and this is what in better like this is what we sowed, you know, like we're the adults here, you know, <laughs> and like I realized we have to fix this for our children, you know, and my child. So really I'm trying to do this for my child with the hope that, you know, like I know this is just children, the children's literature community, you know, it's not, it's not big government, it's not health insurance, it's not all those things. And believe me, those things are very important. Don't get me wrong. Uh, like not saying children's literature is like the thing, but this was the one area that I knew that I could have some sort of influence. So I felt like this is where I had to start. So, um, so to, to try to make the world better. And is so, it... <laughs> go ahead. No, keep going. so like, so who is it for? It's like, it's really for my daughter trying to make the world better. Is it her voice on the show? 
Yes, it is. <laughs> Do you mind if if I cap the conversation off by playing her introduction to the show? Yeah, sure. That'd be great. <laughs> All right. Hit it. Kidlet Woman! This is Thirsh Nakiani, children's author and book blogger. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.flowering-minds.com forward slash South Asian Kidlet. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out with the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Corina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash matthewcwinner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.